This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 116. Submission numbers 094-095-371-406-531-1026 and probably two or three other numbers. It ran one season too long. I don't think I need to explain it. There are shows that ran one season too long in our opinions. Yeah. Well, guys, shows usually have like a natural lifespan, but of course, networks, they like killing the golden goose. Totally. And uh, we have numerous examples of how I think every network, every major uh, network, and even uh, syndication uh, killed the goose in some way. And I'll start, I think, with the biggest one for me, and that's Married with Children. And yes, we know that everything on this show goes back to Married with Children, but really the last season of Married with Children was unusual. It it was pretty bad. Um, On top of being pretty bad, it moved to a new time slot. For a vast majority of its run, it aired at 9 o'clock on Sundays, but it did air Sundays at 8, Sundays at 8.30. But then that last season, it got moved around all over the place. Saturday at 9 for apparently three episodes. So I thought Saturday at 9 was always America's Most Wanted. Okay, well, apparently Al Bundy wasn't America's Most Wanted at that point. But then it uh, moved to Sundays at 7.30. That's a weird time slot. Uh, And then uh, it actually ended uh, on Monday nights at 9.30 and uh, and then 9 o'clock. And it was, well, first off, the the entire way the the show was done uh, in terms of layout and in terms of timing uh, just went to hell in a handbasket. The way they used to open the show, everybody knows it, the, the fountain you know, uh, spurts out water and you hear love and marriage and then you start the show. Well, now for the last season, nope, we're flipping the script. We're going to start with a little comic interlude for a minute or two. We're going to set the basis for the show. Then we're going to have the, uh, the fountain uh, giving off water and we're going to have Frank Sinatra singing love and marriage. It was totally different. Uh, but but also just some of the writing on the show was really bad. Um, some of the episodes, they used like goofy sound effects. I mean, and, and they did have goofy sound effects, like comedic sound effects before uh, the, the 11th season. And what I mean is uh, like, for instance, if let's say Al hits, Jefferson with a two by four, you hear a doink. Yeah. And you didn't hear that in previous seasons. And then you had other goofy sound effects uh, similar uh, to that. You had a number of multi-part episodes. You actually had a two-part episode for uh, one uh, episode called Requiem for a Chevy Weight, where 
Al's Dodge dies. His Dodge dies. Yes, the Dodge died after a quarter million miles or whatever. And he is distraught and wants to have a proper burial for it in the backyard. Meanwhile, uh, the rest of the family finds online, because remember, this is 1996. uh, Internet's a pretty new thing. Somebody in Germany would pay $5,000 for the engine. So they go to the backyard and try digging out the car. And yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, Jefferson actually tries uh, getting Al the, the fuel pump he needs for the Dodge by going to an old friend of his. Guess who the old friend is? You'll never guess. Who? Um, uh, the Steve Rhodes. <clears throat> Fidel Castro. Oh. What? Oh. Okay, oh, now no. It, it really no, was, no, 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 no. It really wasn't Fidel Castro, obviously. But, uh, yeah, he, he goes to Fidel Castro and and uh, tries negotiating with him to, to get a fuel pump for his friend Al Bundy. And because, remember, Cuba, all their cars, at least back, you know, back in the 90s, they're all from the 50s because they didn't, you know, uh, they didn't there, advance, there's the tra- there's a trade embargo. Yeah, I, they advance past the 1950s because of the trade embargo. Yeah, I got a question. How does Jefferson know Fidel Castro? <laughs> Jefferson has a very, very, varied past. Uh, he uh, supposedly was um, put out a hit on uh, some businessman, and um, and actually at the. Uh, a baseball game. I, 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 I would guess it would be the Cubs or the White Sox, but I don't remember it being either of those teams. The owner f- mysteriously fell from the balcony or the deck where he was watching. And, uh, and Jefferson's reaction was just, he had a little party favor because it was Al's birthday and he just blew it and, and gave like a, a very mischievous uh, sort of look. So he has like a past. He has a varied past. Uh, I mean, depending uh, who you ask, especially if it's Marcy, he has a ve- definitely a varied past. Uh, yeah, he, he had a lot of connections with uh, pool hustlers. Uh, this is back in season four, I believe, where Al actually gets Kelly to hustle for pool. And Jefferson has friends who hustle for pool, kind of, sort of, and the the, the stakes get higher and higher. And ultimately, it comes down to one shot by Kelly for for $10,000. And Al, unfortunately, since he was trying to raise money for Kelly, he donated, like, I'm not even joking, like two or three gallons of blood. But the human body only has one gallon of blood. Uh, that's what you know about white boy. (laughs) He actually said that, but uh, just uh, again, a lot of the, um, the, the plots, especially later in the season were really ridiculous. Um, I I will say this, the uh, Christmas episode that year, one of actually Al's replacements because Al got fired was a young ish person at the time who wouldn't go on to more fame for about another 12 and a half, 13 years, or at least fame that we'd know him in some guy named Jonathan Mangum. Oh, maybe you've heard of him. Yeah. 
He landed a lucrative announcing deal a few years back. Yeah, he he was Al's uh, replacement uh, at the shoe store named Hal. So Go figure. So so Janet Carroll replaced Al with Jonathan Mangum. With Jonathan Mangum, exactly. Wow, that is something. Yeah, it is. Uh, and also, uh, he eventually quit at the end of the episode, and Gary, being up a river without a paddle, had to rehire Alan Griff. So it had a good ending. Another multi-part episode. Again, we already had a two-part episode over the, the death of the Dodge. Uh, Peg and, and Al actually get divorced or are in divorce... Um, uh, l- looking into getting divorced. They go see a therapist and, and they go Splitsville and Al moves out. But Peggy has a new boyfriend. <laughs> Greg, get ready. Oh, who is it? Who, who plays him? Yeah, who plays him? Alan Thick. What? <laughs> no. There should be like a super cut of every time Greg says what. There should be a super cut of every time any of us mention Alan Thicke I on can't, the show. I cannot believe that you just mentioned Alan Wait, Thicke. but, but I, I'm going to blow your mind even more. Alan Thicke actually played on a previous season's episode. I, I believe it was season uh, 10 or maybe 9. He played Kelly's boyfriend. Wait, what? Different character though, not not the same character. Different character, but but he played Kelly's boyfriend in either season nine or season ten, and he played Peg's boyfriend uh, in season eleven. He was practicing for the time where he'd have to be on wife swap with Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> he was practicing for Three's a Crowd. <laughs> All new Three's a Crowd future entry. Hey, yeah, dear Ellen, dear, dear Ellen, thickhead. Told my wife about this show. Now she's turned it with her new boyfriend. I guess three really is a crab. Jesus, Chico, that Alan Thick is terrible. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to go to Alan Thick and ask him. First yeah, I, I, unfortunately, he's unavailable right now. So, uh, oh darn. Uh, okay. But also, a couple more things about this this last season. Number one, I mentioned the goofy sound effects. One late episode, uh, this is, I believe, like the fourth or fifth to last episode called Damn Bundy's had Al selling his soul to the devil. And uh, so he could uh, actually, well, and what the payoff was, was that he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for him being able to play for the Bears or at least uh, uh, get to the Super Bowl. Uh, And then when he gets to the Super Bowl, uh, the devil, who's played by Robert England, by the way, yes, Freddy, Kr- Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the the devil uh, takes away his powers and turns him into you know, however old he would have been at the time, fifty, and he's in pain, aching, and and, and Al says, well, "Why'd you do that?" Well, I only promised that I'd get you to the Super Bowl, not to win the Super Bowl. But the big thing about that episode, they introduced some graphics. Uh, in, in terms of, uh, of effects, facial effects, when uh, Kelly actually turns into like some sort of, oh gosh, how do I describe it? Like a donkey face almost. And it looks really stupid and out of place, even more so than the doink sound when 
uh, when Jefferson or Al gets hit by a two by four. But also, it didn't have proper series closure, which kind of sucks, uh, especially since the uh, the second to last episode and the third to last episode was essentially a two part episode, even though uh, really it wasn't uh, labeled as two parts, where uh, the Bundys they actually get uh, held hostage by a fugitive on the run and Kelly falls in love with her ditzy boyfriend and then they get married and that would have been a good place to have closure, but there was another episode afterwards and, and, and that episode is definitely not a, uh, a proper closure. But the, the big reason I I'm saying this, the big reason that this season sucks and anytime I see a season 11 episode, I don't watch it. I mean, that's the, the worst season of all is the executive producer for this uh, season was a woman or is a woman named Pamela Eels. And if you look at her IMDb, you'll see, gosh, how many shows has she done that have been aimed at teens and tweens? The Sweet Life on Deck, The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, Bunked. Jesse, yeah. So I think you know she was bringing a kiddie mentality to what was clearly not a kiddie show. But that's all I gotta say about Married with Children, season eleven. Uh-uh. Watch season one through ten; they're great. Yeah, you know, unless you want to see Robert England, or you want to see Jonathan Mangum, or you want to see Alan Thick. That's a bad Alan Thick. That, that, that's worse than mine. Yeah, yeah I, good thing. Uh, that's why I apologize. Good thing I don't have an Alan Thick impression. No, oh, no, 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 you don't. No, 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 no absolutely let, not. Let, hey, let's move on to Chico. He's got another series. Okay, yeah, I do. About. Okay, so 1997, ABC had just been bought out by Disney. So we have uh, about a, a bit of a change of the guard, to speak, so to speak. And Miller Boyette. Or, or Miller Boyette Warren at this point yeah, is Miller, starting to yeah, get yeah. a little bit of oh yeah a little bit contentious with the brass. CBS comes in and in what can only be described as a television coup takes the two remaining Miller Boyette shows on ABC's TGIF lineup and adds them to their own lineup. Of course, those two shows were Step by Step, which I guess we'll revisit when we revisit this topic, and Family Matters. What happened to the final season of Family Matters? Oh, God, what did not happen in the final season of Family Matters? Okay, um, a lot of it was basically a case of reality writes the plot. Um, Michelle Thomas, who, you know, played Myra, uh, Urkel's girlfriend, she started uh, being treated for cancer, if I'm not mistaken. Dang. And, yeah. She, uh, in August 1997, like, as the production was beginning to ramp up, she was diagnosed with a rare form of intra-abdominal desmoplastic small round cell cancer. She underwent surgery to remove a, a tumor and then spent that year on The Young of the Restless. Unfortunately, the growth ruptured 
and um, she died on December 22nd, 1998. But had she been healthy, she would actually be marrying Steve Urkel. That did not happen. What did happen, though, the culmination of uh, eight years of pursuing Laura Winslow, Steve finally uh, proposes to Laura on the same episode that Stefan Urkel, also played by Jaleel White, proposes to Laura. So Steve and Stefan basically competing for they're, they're basically the same person except they're it, it's it's all complicated but it, anyway it, isn't at this point they're both two different people yeah oh yes, yeah they're, they're, they're both two different absolutely people. yes yeah somehow along the way they became two different people yes it's the 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 dna in the uh changing in the uh that little uh, porta potty TARDIS changing booth thing. Well, uh, yeah, and Steve was the geek, as we all know, and Stefan was sort of the preppy, classy type, the, the civilized type. Yeah, he, he was, was the, the grown and se- he was the grown and sexy guy. He was. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Yeah, that, that's actually not a bad description. Yeah, he would have been. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that ended up changing. Uh, another thing that ended up changing was uh, that midway through the season, Harriet Winslow, as you know, played by the uh, lovely and talented Joe Marie Payton France. Previously mentioned on the Red Fox Comedy Hour. Right. She was, at, and as you know, Harriet was the central character that was spun off into this show from Perfect Strangers. She disappeared mid-season. Yeah. To only be reappeared as if she was half-time lord and somehow got regenerated into Judy Ann Elder, who came from Murphy Brown and Martin. Martin! She was actually Martin... She was actually Gina's... Gina's mother, Nadine. Well, Damn, Gina! I just want to say that. Martin! But after 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 Martin was canceled, she was brought on as wait, wait after what was canceled? After Martin was Martin! <laughs> she was brought on to replace uh Joe Marie Payton as Harriet Winslow. And I'm looking at the pictures of the two and I'm thinking to myself, you know. As a kid watching this show, I didn't notice how similar the two looked. I was like, okay. I looked at this show when I was like 18 years old watching it on Friday nights, and I'm thinking to myself, that lady looks nothing like Harriet Winslow. Oh, yeah. Same here. And yet, here it is 20 years later almost, and okay, now I see it. Uh, okay, now I see it. Okay. I haven't rewatched those episodes in like since they first aired on CBS. Yeah. Oh, but I did watch one particular episode on CBS a couple of months ago. And Mike, you know what episode I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I do. This was the episode where uh, Steve had to make a half-quart basket. 
to win a million dollars. Oh no. I I said that episode and sort of PTSD flashback from Mike. Oh no. It's just that's such a ridiculous plot. Can you describe I, the plot? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, and again, it, it falls sort of in the, the same family as the Married with Children uh, last season because, again, the plots there were absolutely ridiculous. So the absurd part, the original absurd part, is Urkel hits a half-court shot at a Clippers game, but then the doubly absurd part is he throws the ball up in the air and it hits the Jumbotron, and the Jumbotron falls to the, uh, to the ground and suffers, coincidentally, a million dollars worth of damage. So he had that million for all of about three seconds, but he, he destroyed the Jumbotron. Well, considering who owned the Clippers at the time, I have an idea of what that was exactly a million dollars. Oh, jeez. No. no. Okay. Bad Greg. Oh, okay, okay. Now, uh... Some of the people who actually wrote these episodes, they would go on to uh, other things. Um, like, uh, Tim, Tim Stack wrote an episode. Yay. Good, fr- good friends of the show, Tim Stack. Uh, Meg Deloach, she wrote a couple of episodes, and she would be known for writing Family Reunion for Netflix nowadays, which also features Tom Hopkins, I should say. And then there's, oh god, there's, there's just like a whole bunch of, it's like everything sort of gets unloaded all at once here. We have, uh, we have the return of Myrtle Urkel, which as you know, is just Jaleel Wright in drag. Oh, that's always a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have, oh, and it's not just for one episode, it's at least four. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. And then we have uh, a new, and then we have a new member of the Oracle family, OGD, Original Gangsta Dog, Urkel's hip hop cousin from Detroit, which is basically. Uh, Jaleel White dressed like a gangster. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to say. Yeah. Then you have a character uh, who is actually uh, a new boss at at uh, Harriet's work, played by Mark Lynn Baker. Yes, this was in, I believe, the same episode as the half-court shot. Yeah, I think you're right, because I think uh, Harriet was uh, sexually harassed, I believe, on the job. Yes, this is the same episode because, yeah. And, and, and they don't even mention how her boss looks so coincidentally like Larry Appleton. I was just about to say that. I was like, you know, you know, Mr. Oh, by the way, Mr. Brenner, you look like an old friend of mine from my Chronicle days. I never liked him. That would have been hilarious. That would have been hilarious, but it was just a... A wasted opportunity. Just a wasted opportunity. Uh, we also see um, we don't we don't see as much uh, of Richie, who's played by Brighton James and is on a soap opera now. Uh, 
three J, who's uh, who's played by Orlando Brown, and he's on a future he's on a future entry with uh, the Olsen twins, two of a kind, or Rachel, who is played by the simply divine Thelma Hopkins, which I will talk about later this episode. And by the way, Thelma Hopkins, I believe, recently celebrated her birthday this week. Yes, she did. Happy birthday, Thelma Hopkins. Okay, and then we have Myra, and then we have Steve discovering that Myra is crazy. Really? It took her take him this long to discover that? I know, for a genius, he's not very smart, is he? He just discovers her just discovers that she's a little bit obsessed when he goes into her house, sees her wallpaper, which is just a step and repeat of Steve Urkel's face, and then notices there's a spy rig in her mirror, and it's wired to Steve's glasses. Now, this all came up as uh, Steve and Laura finally uh, sort of entered into that long-sought-after relationship. Which, by the way, culminates in being uh, proposed to in the, th- in the anti-penultimate episode. And, oh god, this is just, I'm just, oh god. Myra is charged with stalking and arrested. That's just, really? Okay, and, and, okay, so that's the, oh yeah, and the, and the, and the season ends, and the season slash series ends with Urkel going into space with the Russians. Actually, it's not the Russians. The season ends with Urkel going into space after NASA buys a patent to one of his inventions, of which there are many in this particular season. But the invention causes a nearby satellite to crash into a space shuttle, and he is sent hurling into space, causing NASA to try and improvise a rescue mission to save Urkel. Yeah, it got a little absurd. Yeah, it got a little... It got a lot absurd. We're not done yet, because guess who returns and declares herself as Steve's fiance? Hi, Myra, how you doing? I knew you were going to say that. All right, so... And, and ultimately, they do rescue Steve, and he comes back to Earth, and... It, it it all culminates with Steve saying, "You get more beautiful every time I see you," and Laura says that she'll kiss him on one condition: that you never go into outer space again. And that's the end of the series. They they kiss, and I guess uh, there's an urban legend. I don't know how true it is, but if there was a tenth season, it would begin with uh, the Urkel Laura wedding. I don't know how true that is. I do know. Oh wait, there's there's one more. There is one more bit before we go into sort of the reality rights the uh, script here. In the middle of this season, Eddie drops out of college and decides that he wants to become a police officer. Like Carl. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. It gets better. 
because uh, Eddie gets a taste of his piece and he kind of sort of likes it. Oh no! Yeah, um, he 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 thinks that you know life in the academy is going to be a cakewalk. And yet, when he gets to Hogan's Alley, he ends up shooting a cardboard cutout of his sister. Yeah. Why is there a cardboard cutout of his sister? Uh, because, by, because by now, Carl is captain and he has some pull. Oh. Yeah. So there's so there's so all so all of that happens in the course of this year. In the same year that, uh, again, another uh, sort of urban legend. I don't know how true it is, but it's like uh, Joe Marie Payton France decides uh, that she doesn't want to uh, be on the show anymore because it, it it's the show kind of sort of got away from her. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, because it all of a sudden it's about, hey, what's Urkel doing this week? So, well, that plus also Stefan. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I, uh, Stefan uh, and Myrtle and OGD. And, oh, also, we should add that we will revisit this at, at some point when we cover the CBS block party, uh, especially, specifically, Migo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not done talking about this. No, we're not. But uh, yeah, that's basically the final season of Family Matters in a nutshell, and it gave me a headache. Maybe it was just the fact that this all happened when I was a senior in high school and felt like I was getting way too old for this. But yeah, yeah, I was I was in seventh grade and I was getting way too old for this stuff. And I'm glad I was <laughs> years old, and I was working at the time. Yeah. Lucky okay. me. Yeah, lucky you. What do we have next? And by the way, I'm not doing anything to this episode. I'm just going to let you guys take it from here and just laugh at, oh, my God, that was so awful. That, Greg's oh. going to let us hang by our own petard. I uh. am. Yeah, it, this is punishment for making making me suffer through the ten minutes of Carter Country I saw last week. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh, Did okay. we have to bring that well, up? Why don't you put it that way? I mean, hey, hey, you know, that's another uh, series that lasted one season too long. Actually, two seasons too long. Uh... But, but enough about that. We talked about how everything goes back to Married with Children. Yeah. Well, another show everything goes back to is Night Court. Oh. Yeah, and the ninth season of Night Court, eh, maybe it should have just ended at season eight. Season eight ended on a a bit of a a weird note. Um, We had uh, Dan, if you remember Dan Fielding, uh, in later seasons, uh, he actually was like the heir of uh, Phil. If you remember, Phil was the sort of hobo type person, the, the bum. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was actually like a secret millionaire and he actually created a charitable fund for Phil, the Phil foundation. Yep. And it was up to, uh, and if, if I'm not mistaken, it was up to Dan to sort of grow the Phil, film that the grow, the Phil foundation. Yeah. I know how words work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was uh, left responsibility by Phil in his will. Boy, there's a lot of rhymes there. 
uh, Phil said in his will that Dan was, uh, was being like the executor or the, the, the person running the Phil Foundation. Uh, plus also at the same time uh, in the uh, season eight finale, uh, Tony, who is Christine's boyfriend at one point, tries to uh, win her back. And if you remember a, a long running thing was that, uh, that Judge Harry Stone had a, a bit of a crush on Christine. So we ended on a bit of a turbulent note, but we started on maybe even more of a turbulent note, again with a two-parter episode. And this time, Dan, who again also had feelings for Christine, maybe even more so than Harry Stone, kidnapped her. What? Let me repeat that. Dan Fielding kidnapped Christine Sullivan. Well, that dastardly and, and dude. That dastardly John Larroquette. Well, but also, let's remember, he is a person of high standing, maybe not high moral standing, given what we know about no! him. But, but no, but, but he's a lawyer, and obviously that's a high, uh, a high visibility and high respect position, whether you like lawyers or not. So, yeah, committing kidnapping is sort of serious. I mean, it's sort of serious under any circumstances. Uh, yeah. So uh, what happened, unfortunately, is um, he uh, had to go start at the bottom. And uh, by the bottom, what I mean is uh, he was a lawyer in a dog law court. So he, he was sort of in Gary Busey's pet court. Oh, by the way, something we're going to talk about eventually. Oh, yeah, you're very high on that. Now, I think Gary Busey's high on that. Um, oh, but, 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 but the thing is, it's going to be talked about because, yeah, it, it needs to be talked about if you haven't seen it. So beyond that, we had Bull in love. And the thing is, Bull really, in the first eight years, rarely, if ever, was shown having some sort of relationship. I mean, he tried at times, but obviously, remember, Bull is six, seven, six, eight, doesn't come across as the smartest bulb in the tree, even though he's a very smart bulb, uh, as we have alluded to in the past when he went on the, the game show, What Am I? and won. He got that basketball uh, hoop for the, uh, the kids at the, uh, the, the rec center. And don't forget that uh, Chuck Fleck, the host, was Bob Ridgely, who we talked about. Why am I bringing back all the past episodes on when things were rotten? Because <laughs> you remember them all. I, I'm a sick son of a... So as I was saying, so, so he starts developing a relationship with Wanda and ultimately uh, pops the question and they uh, get to the wedding ceremony. But notice I, I didn't say that they got married um, because there was a little bit of turbulence uh, at the uh, the wedding, because um, Bull wanted wanted to wear his mother's wedding dress, and there was a big fight over it. Uh, and then there's a fight over the best man, and yeah, it is a total mess. But again, this is a side of Bull that we had never seen before in terms of relationships with with females. Uh, he, he was always sort of. Yeah, he tried finding a girlfriend, but again, you know, w women don't like people who look tall and dumb, and yeah, you know, I, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, actually, maybe one of the good things about this season is Harry finally became friends with Mel Torme. And if you've ever seen Night Court, you know Harry loves Mel Torme. He wants Mel Torme to come by the courtroom and, and say hi, and, and he wants to meet him. And all, there's always some reason that he, he misses Mel Torme. He finally becomes friends with him, and they actually go to a Man of the Year dinner, but uh, Harry later finds out this Man of the Year dinner is more like a Dean Martin roast than uh, a, a real Man of the Year honorary dinner. And so he tries to get Mel to not uh, take part in this, uh, this, this dinner because he doesn't want to obviously infuriate and embarrass his, uh, his new buddy, if you will. So the season ends with, albeit not consecutively, but uh, there's two two-part episodes which have the same general theme, which was Christine was running for Congress. And ultimately, guess what? Surprise, surprise, she goes to Congress. So obviously she's got to step down from her d defender's role. Uh, but then uh, we, we have some closure, actually, which is great. Harry actually has... A couple of offers. Uh, he could uh, teach at Columbia Law School, or he had the opportunity to tour with Mel Torme. Boy, I wonder which one he took. Hint, not the paying job. He wanted to hang out with Mel. And then Bull sort of went a little crazy. He uh, felt that aliens were following him. And uh, it, it just the usual craziness, but it just didn't feel right. And I believe by this time, it wasn't on Thursday nights anymore because it was at 9.30 on Thursdays. Basically, I think for like season two on or maybe even late in season one, and it went back to Wednesday nights by this point, I do believe. And, well, you don't have the Cosby show there, which would have been in this last year. You don't have a different world there. You don't have Cheers there, which still had another year left. Uh, yeah, Wednesday, it seems, well, it got moved from Wednesdays early on, and then it went back to Wednesdays where it had a very slow, painful death. I don't even know if it's a good taste to joke about this next one because of all the things that happened to everybody that was on it. Yeah, I'm talking about the final season of Different Strokes. Oh, which, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so NBC canceled it after seven seasons. ABC comes and picks up for an eighth season. By this point, um, we have Maggie, Maggie McKinney Drummond and her son Sam played by Dixie Carter and Danny Cooksey, respectively. Bobby Budnick. Bobby Budnick. That's right. But uh, Dixie Carter did not return for that final season. She Now, the log line was that she had left to do Designing Women, which, which, which would have been airing, I want to say, its first season, and it would have been, like... The first of a season. That's another show that we'll that we'll uh, cover when we revisit this subject. But anyway, if we ever do, if we ever if we ever revisit the subject, that's another one. 
yeah. Um, she was replaced by Marianne Mobley. And she's another one of those people that you look at her and you look at Dixie Cardi and all you can say was, Thank you, Kesla! <laughs> Hey, Terrible hey, recasting, she says. Hey, Marianne Mobley is a very was a very beautiful woman. Yeah, oh, she was a very beautiful woman. She just was not in the same league as. Oh no, not not in the same league as Dixie Carter. No, not even in the same, not in the same league, not even in the same zip code. She was not. She she was not Maggie. She was just somebody that said all of Maggie's lines. But we didn't. But we didn't see much of her. We did see a whole lot of Arnold and Arnold and his friends Dudley and Robbie and Jason and a new friend Charlie, played by Jason Hervey. Oh, that Jason Hervey. Yes, that Jason Hervey. That Jason Hervey from from Pee Wee's Big Adventure and The Wonder Years and. And Missy Hyatt's ex-boyfriend. Yep. <laughs> I had to mention that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, and again... Oh, because... and, oh and Eric Bischoff's former business partner. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. True story. You, you started him. Now oh, finish God. him. Okay, finish, finish, finish him! <laughs> okay. Um... All right, and another thing is that because everybody on the cast is getting on in years, we're left to pretty much leave the series concentrated on Arnold and his friends and Sam. Because everybody is getting on in years and, well, we're seeing less and less. In fact, Conrad Bain, I believe, is the only person in the entire cast to have appeared in every episode. Yeah. Yep. And but the but um but yeah, uh you you see a nope. Okay, you see a lot of people that are coming back and it doesn't really seem like it's com- coming to a conclusion or anything. But you see a lot of it's you get the you get the feeling that there's a whole timbre of yeah. Been doing this shit for eight years now. Especially as far as Gary Coleman is concerned, because by now he's 17 years old. And he still looks like he was nine. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, he was. He So he had uh, medical issues going on, issues with his parents that have long been dominant documented but everything was just sort of standard issue everything was just status quo there was no finality to anything even the uh even the last appearance of kimberly played by dana plato as you know as i want to say critical critically successful as it was because because I don't, the episode is called bulimia, and it revealed that Kimberly had an eating disorder. It was some really powerful stuff, and it was one of the most lauded episodes of the series. 
but there was absolutely no finality to anything. Well, I got a question, Chico. What's that? I, this would have given us a lot of finality to the series. Did Dudley learn to stay the hell away from that bike shop? God, dog, dog. Mike, Mike, get me out of Mike, get me out of this place. Just, 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 just get me out. Just get me out of this place. You know, the, this might be the the, the name of the next uh, series we're going to talk about. <laughs> But also, this might be a, a good uh, request uh, for Greg, uh, or more of a demand. Greg, get smart. <laughs> get smart. Yeah, it seems like a common th- uh, theme we're talking about when we talk about family matters, and as we just talked about it with different strokes, is a show lasting a year too long, but being on a new network. Get smart was the same way. It spent its first four years, 1965 to 1969, on NBC. And then 1969 to 1970, it moved over to CBS. And oh my gosh, were there vast changes. Uh, There weren't really a lot of changes in the the personnel. But again, this sort of follows with Married with Children, where they got absurd with some of the plot lines, where... Reality, which, yeah, I understand we're talking about uh, Get Smart and, you know, reality maybe blurred a little bit or or, uh, distorted, but there were just some very weird and creepy, uh, at least in my opinion, plot lines. Um, And also we should add that in that fifth season, well, Agent uh, 86 and 99, who are uh, Maxwell Smart and and, uh, and Barbara Feldman's character, they have a kid. They, they obviously get married at some point and have a kid. So, yeah, there's the baby, and the baby's going to save the series. I don't think so. But, yeah, again, the, well, first off, the opening music, the theme music is epic, classic theme music. Mm-hmm. The season five theme was sort of like remixed. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it, it was like the, uh, the 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 redheaded uh, child of the original theme. Uh, it had a different opening sequence. the The font was different, and even the Carmen Ghia, which he drove, was gone. Oh, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, the, the Carmen Ghia was gone, and. Uh, it, it was just a very weird season, and it, when it reran uh, on, I believe it was Me TV when I saw it like first time eight years ago, nine years ago. It was like trippy, and, and again, it was trippy almost in a 1969 sense. Like, you know, maybe somebody hit the wacky tobacco a little too hard, with especially again with some of the plot lines. Um, there was one. Uh, that I remember where there was like a man eating plant, not unlike a Venus fly trap. And, uh, and, and uh, it was basically up to, uh, to, to Maxwell to, uh, to capture the, the person who had this giant man eating plant, which it was really goofy, uh, a creepy episode. And we talked about uh, this person, Oh, it was on the Duck Factory we talked about this person. Jack Guilford. 
And he played like this guy with this contagious smile, which was hypnotizing. It was, it was so contagious and, and pleasing. It was hypnotizing. And anybody who looked at him and his smile like fell under his spell. Again, sort of absurd, but also at the same time, Jack Guilford. Oh my gosh. I mean, he may not have uh, had a storied career in terms of, you know, that show, that one, you know, show that everybody could recognize him on. But he was on Duck Factory. Golden Girls he was on as, uh, uh, I believe, Sophia's boyfriend until he died. And I think he died about 1990. So he made the rounds, uh, obviously, for a good 30 years or so. But yeah, that episode gave me the willies. Maybe just because uh, looking at uh, Jack Guilford's smile for literally like the entire episode until uh, they got to chaos or, or uh, they, um, I don't think they did anything to him in terms of, you know, making him unsmile <laughs> that, that could happen, but uh, just very weird. And also, this may fall more under the category of goofy writing over the course of the um, of the season. But every single show episode that season was in some way a takeoff of the name of a movie. So uh, you had Rebecca of Funny Folk Farm. Yeah. You had... Instead of Ice Station Zero, you had Ice Station Siegfried. Oh. Um, y- yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, oh, yeah, that one, uh, uh, 99, and uh, a CIA agent had to go to the North Pole uh, to find out why the world was having a new ice age, and they found Siegfried, who, uh, uh, if you remember, was played by Bernie Capel. And he had a large fan cooling off the entire planet. Again, absurdity. Absurdity, absurdity, absurdity. And, uh, yeah, you, you just had uh, – it was just very, very goofy very, and, and bizarre. Uh, oh, you had uh, another one. And, and I'm just – as I'm looking at IMDb, I'm remembering these episodes – there was one episode called Smarticus, not Spartacus, Smarticus, uh, in which uh, there's a steam bath laced with truth serum, and uh, it, it's like a Roman bath. You see Spartacus, ha ha ha, and, and mm-hmm. get smart, Smarticus, ha ha. And uh, they basically, uh, Max and the Chief, uh, went to these baths. And it, it was like very Roman baths. I mean, the people actually like dressed up as Romans and stuff uh, and uh, uh, to investigate it. But yeah, oh my gosh, this was a bad, bad, bad uh, season for what's usually a very good show. But like I said, if you hear the theme music and uh, if I feel like it, I'm going to pop it in right here. But it's like totally different than what you're used to and um and and that's really a a shame i I understand you know new network it was on friday nights now oh yeah friday nights i wonder why it got killed um 
it, it was vastly, vastly, vastly different and maybe a little trippy for, uh, uh, for most people. watching the last season that they pretty much abandoned all pretense and just went hard. And again, goofy. Goofy, absurd. Uh, reality was thrown out the window. And But also, again, at that time, this is 1969, CBS was sort of starting to leave that urban... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, CBS was starting to, to leave that rural theme you know, that they had with Andy Griffith and Beverly Hillbillies and yeah. Green Acres. You know, and, the, the great rural purge. Yeah, the, the, this was a little bit before the purge. I wonder if they got this uh, series, uh, Get Smart, to maybe be part of the new renaissance. Hey, we're CBS. We're not trying to attract people in flyover country. We're trying to attract you know, the, 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 the hippies uh, who enjoyed Get Smart back uh, in 1965 and, and 1966. And it just, again, didn't work. And, you know, Friday night time slot didn't help. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I'm sure Chico's got another good well, TV show lined up. Well, it's a TV show that had a bunch of changes to begin with, but this was probably the biggest. And it's what I want to say to these two jokers time and time again. Give me a break. Oh, yeah, that was getting long in the tooth because that had been on, uh, what, I think for seven seasons by that point? Well, the the sixth one was the final one. Okay. And the sixth one was basically, it started, well, we have to go back to the uh, a few seasons when uh, Officer Carl Kaniski, played by the late great Dolph Sweet, uh, his he actually died, so they had to sort of talk about that. And we'll talk about this on a on a future entry. But I'm just gonna go through the laundry list of everything that happened, and how this was just so different and so radically different than the rest of the series. Uh, okay, so Julie is married and with child and moved to San Francisco. Sam is accepted to college in New Jersey. Nell wants to help her move into college, so she goes to New York, where Addie is now living. I told you we'd get back to Tomah Hopkins eventually. 
And, uh, of course, uh, by this time, Nell has her foster son, Joey, played, of course, by Joey Lawrence. Whoa! Whoa! Very good. <laughs> hey, you know what Yo know Joey's reaction was when he found out he was moving to New York City? Whoa! Yeah. Okay, so so we got all of that out of the way. Addie's now living in New York. Nell goes to visit her while dropping Sam off at college. And uh, Joey, because where else is he going to go, is tagging along with Nell. Whoa. And, oh, and Joey learns that he has a biological father and a little brother, too. Whoa. 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 Of course, Little Brother is played by his real-life brother, Matthew Lawrence, a future installment, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. And then Nell gets, Nell, Nell gets a new job at a publisher, and some escapades, escapades ensue. I like that word, escapades. But the, but the whole sort of overarching theme of this season is basically predicated by Nell, you know, all of her kids, all the kids are, because, of course, Nell is the uh, live-in housekeeper of the Kaniskis. All the kids are out living their lives. Nell has the house to herself. She's looking for a purpose. And, of course, she has her kid. So now you fast forward a couple episodes into the season, and what drives her more than anything? Hearing Frank Sinatra singing New York, New York. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. So, so there you go. She's, she's, <laughs> escapade, escapades ensue. And uh, it's basically Nell, Joey, Addie, and also Nell's mother. Oh, I know who it is. You know who it is, Greg? Yes. Okay. Played by Rosetta Lenoir, a.k.a. Mother Mother Winslow. Jeez. Yep. It all comes it's like it all circles back to family matters somehow, doesn't it? Oh yeah. And of course, this is and of course the later stages of the season. And again, we'll talk about this on a future episode. But it all just seems to sort of center around Joey. Whoa. And yeah, and and basically, well. It, it it all runs its course, and by May 12th of 87, we're all pretty much tired of it, and yeah. Whoa. And there's, and there's no real, and again, there's no real finality to it. I mean, you see bases from the first five seasons pop up from time to time, but there's really no real final finality to it. Only that, uh, only that uh, Joey goes to live with Mayim Bialik, and Matthew goes and fights alien viruses in his junk computer. 
Whoa. Whoa. And this is nothing to say. And and Andy is just a glitter in his father's pants. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. 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 And again, we'll talk about this on, on a later episode, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, that's... Yeah, it's like, where do you go from here? We were asking our we were asking that question after everybody left for college. Where do we go from here? This is where we go from here. Well, I think uh, I need to uh, give one more. Okay. Um, and this one's very close to a couple of our hearts for uh, various reasons. Who wants to be a millionaire? The syndicated version. The show has been on since 1999 and really in, in terms of graphics has remained relatively unchanged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it changed a little bit. I mean, it's like you, you see one episode of who wants to be a millionaire. You immediately know it's who wants to be a millionaire. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I mean, the main things that changed, yeah, again, some of the graphics a little bit, uh, the hosts have changed quite a bit because we yeah. had Terry Crews and we had Cedric the Entertainer and uh, obviously we had Meredith and uh, and Chris Harrison. And now we got Jimmy Kimmel. And now, we, well, he wasn't on the syndicated. Well, version, I know, you yeah, know what I mean. I know what you mean, yeah. Well, this last season, I don't know. People have stories. Um, first off, the graphics were totally changed. Totally changed. We're We're back to the... Classic format, albeit not entirely classic, because it wasn't 15 questions to win the million. It was 14 questions. Yeah, but, but it, they were, but they weren't as they weren't they weren't playing from the dummy deck. I don't think. They, uh, no, I don't think they were playing uh, through the dummy deck. Um, but uh, yeah, just the graphics had changed. Um, it just it looked like it was on its last legs and and the thing is a lot of people that at least me and 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 uh, chico know personally were on the show that year yep hey, hey tommy <laughs> hi liz yeah yeah i mean we could just name names hey robin even though i'm not friends with robin robin knows who he is um yeah we, we could just throw names out left and right uh but uh, it was just—I I don't know if it was necessarily the dummy deck that they used. They didn't use the dummy deck that last season. They used the—I—I'm not going to give away any of Disney's money deck. Well, well. Also, I was going to say uh, it wasn't the dummy deck because when you had uh, the ask the audience. Usually it'd be used on simple questions and you'd have, you know, on simple questions, it should be like 98% said this, 96, 97 said this. And now you had like 81% of people said this and the other three answers are absolutely absurd. And quite frequently you'd have people using their entire batch of lifelines sometimes by 5000 or $7,000, and th- that just reeks of money-saving mode. Uh, plus, also, you had 
some quality players. And I'm going to mention one. And this is a person who was on Jeopardy, oh gosh, 25 years ago or so, Claudia Perry. Oh, Claudia Perry is one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. Claudia Perry is a legend. It is. She is an absolute legend. She absolutely is. As she won, how many days on Jeopardy? I think four days on Jeopardy. At least four, four or five, and obviously made the tournament champions if she won five. Uh, And she's a legend. She got on Millionaire, and she bombed at the three thousand dollar question. About and I'm I'm going to tell you, I I just aired recently within the last maybe two weeks. Yeah, because uh, Millionaire is uh, now on syndication in slots where America Says was on syndication last last year. Oh no, no, no here Mike's told me this story. Yeah, no, here uh, it replaced Cops for obvious reasons because you know because it's 2020, and, and also I believe it was the real sheriffs of El Dorado County. What uh, that? What? Really? It, 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 it was another another takeoff of cops, but obviously in El Dorado County. Um, and the thing is, it aired here last year from two to three in the morning after cops got heave hoed. Uh, but now it airs actually four to five in the afternoon. Yes, Greg, you look like you want to say something. Uh, I'm sorry, I because I know on here it airs on channel on uh, WL and White Channel 55, so I put my dvr to channel 50 to 55 and you know what turned up the drew barrymore show where she's giving like all of like the news and stuff no sorry haven't seen that have you seen the chloe Feynman skit from snl about the drew Barrymore? no show? i i admit i didn't oh it's hilarious it is exactly what the show is oh jeez. Yeah. Oh, All right. by the way, I do have Claudia Perry's $3 question punched up. Oh, yeah, listen to this. I had never heard of this. I mean, you can like, reason this, is, this out. This is, new. this is new to me here. This is new to me. Uh-huh. Which of these is a guy-friendly version of a popular fruity cocktail made by mixing orange juice with beer instead of with the usual champagne? Okay, no, you know what? Now that I read it out loud, it's easy to reason. Yeah, it's very easy to reason. Absolutely. Okay, but but, this, but the choices she was given, Martine He, Manmosa, Dad Query, or Bloody Gary. Jeez. Oh, and obviously, if you know what's in those drinks, you know, the martini is gin and vermouth, and uh, the Blo- Bloody Mary is uh, vodka and tomato juice. And a daiquiri, I, I, I know it's a fruity drink. Uh, I, I don't know if it has rum in it. But, yeah, if you know that a mimosa has champagne and orange juice, well, the manmosa would have beer and orange juice. But, yeah, I, I, she got stumped on that question. Clearly, she may not be much of a drinker or, uh, or, or maybe she just got something lost in translation. But, I mean, that's a cruel question to, to lose out on especially for such a quality player like her. Yeah, that is just absolutely that was, I, my heart broke for her. My my heart really broke for her. And, and that and, was just indicative of sort of the level of higher order thinking that you're going to need to play 
this season of Millionaire. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but also on top of that, how many Celebrity Weeks did we have? I know they had at least one, maybe, well, I'm sorry, not even one. They had two, realistically, uh, because you had uh, a Celebrity Week, and then you had a TV Anchor Week. Uh, and actually, I was in the audience for a couple episodes of that week, Pay It Forward Week. And then you had returning contestants you know, from the previous season, uh, the last of whom, the last millionaire uh, contestant in syndication is our good friend, Sarah Lehman. She was the last millionaire contestant, Sarah. Mm-hmm. In, in the syndicated version, wow. In the syndicated yeah. version. But uh, yeah, and it ended, uh, well, it didn't end well. And um, it's not like we had a cliffhanger or anything like that. Like, hey, if we get renewed next season, you're going to come back and play for $100,000. No. No, I think they pretty, I think they pretty much uh, were resigned to the fact that hey, this is probably it for us here. So yeah, and again, I, I've heard stories from friends, and again, friends of uh, at least two of us, if not three of us, that were actually in the uh, green room, slated to be on the show that year, on the last tape date. And they just left them high and dry, even though one flew pretty much like halfway across the country, uh, flying to Vegas from uh, his home state, uh, Great Lakes State. And apparently the, the personnel uh, that were handling contestants in the green room weren't terribly professional. And I'm guessing that may be because there may have been a different casting uh, uh, company involved in the final season, which I do think, I do think was actually uh, the case because I I actually tried out for the show uh, again in Vegas uh, when we uh, go to uh, the former T Kona and the 30 question quiz, I had gotten 30 out of, I think 30 out of 30, if not 30 out of 30, definitely 29 out of 30. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you have when you have trivia players from around the country gathering, you're not going to get, you know, some bums that are going to get 10 out of 30. No, you're gonna. This is it's like, yeah, uh, trivia confab in Las Vegas. This is where you come to get the people you want to schedule for either premiere week or sweeps. Because or just for your show the, in general. Because these, th- these are the people who are going to get you to the million. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I had the, uh, the interview. Did well enough on the interview where they took my tax information. They took my phone number. They took my home address. But they never called me. Uh, not that I'm bitter or anything. I'm not bitter. Uh, but uh, actually somebody who was uh, in the same group of people with me, she was on the show in uh, November of 18 and she won a hundred thousand dollars. And not bad, especially considering, and she was a big millionaire fan. She said she had been watching from the beginning. She uh, she knew her trivia. Obviously you don't get to a hundred thousand dollars by luck. And uh, again, her uh, episodes just aired, oh gosh, within the last 
I want to say month or so. No, it was a little bit more than a month ago because they aired when I was in the hospital. And unfortunately, the hospital didn't get or doesn't get the channel that airs Millionaire here. So I didn't have an opportunity to see her. But I think she might be popping up on the second run within the next month or so. Uh, it seems like they're only airing a certain batch of episodes. I haven't seen the episodes that I saw in person. Uh, again, not that they were overly exciting. They were uh, TV uh, anchors playing for charity, but still haven't seen them uh, show up yet. But yeah, Millionaire, it was long in the tooth. It didn't give away its money. I mean, realistically, let's be honest, that show didn't give away its title amount of money in what, like 16 seasons since the, the first year, since yeah, literally they, like within the first three months of the syndicated show. They had two winners the first season. And that yeah, they, was it. they had again, a friend of at least Chico, Nancy Christie won and Kevin Smith, not that, that Kevin Smith, not the won million. And, and, yeah. And, and that was all within, I really want to say it was within the first, it was definitely in the first season, but it, I think it was within the first like, four months or three months of that first season and then pff, nothing you had a couple five hundred thousand dollar winners this season uh the last season of millionaire had a couple hundred thousand dollar winners i think maybe one two hundred and fifty thousand dollar winner maybe not even one maybe zero i mean they really put the screws on people they they turned the $250,000 question into something that should have been worth a million or more. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fun show. I would have loved to go on it, but, um, well, yeah, yeah, they decided to pull the plug and, Hey, we got Tamron Hall and aren't we all just the better for it? Oh, fun. Yeah. Well, do you have any more? Uh, uh, I guess, you know what? There was the final season of The Facts of Life, which I guess we'll just go over, because it was such a... It was sort of like... I just want to say it was sort of The Facts of Life, the new class. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it wasn't just the new class. You had George Clooney there for a while, and you had uh, Mrs. Garrett opening this hip, trendy-looking store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it? Uh, I got a question. Was the store called Girls, Girls, Girls? No, it wasn't. I should have been. No, it, no, it, no, no. No, that, but, that, that, that was Motley Crue's store. Girls, Girls, Girls. <laughs> okay, so... Um, of course, by season eight, uh, Charlotte Ray uh, left the series and left everybody in the hands of uh, her sister Beverly and Thickle. And, Bev and, and Beverly Ann was sort of like Phyllis on the Mary Tyler Moore show for good reason. They were both played by Cloris Leachman. Oh, yeah. We all and love Cloris Leachman. Yeah. And by that time, she also had an employee that uh, she legally adopted, uh, aside from being uh, the baby of the group and the only male, played by Mackenzie Aston, 
to, you know, sort of, uh, sort of, you know, shake things up. And Brandon Tartikoff says it, said as much. I was surprised back supply performed well this season as with the major cast change and all. I thought it might not perform as it had in the past. We renewed it for another season. And yet they put it on Saturday. Which says to me that, yes, we renewed it for a season. Yes, you just got renewed. But only just. And even airing on the same night as the Golden Girls couldn't save it. Nope. So, uh, and, and by this, you have, uh, and, and by now you have, uh, you have, let's see, we, aside from the aside from the usuals, we have uh, some kids by the name of. Uh, oh, we already have. Uh, we talked about uh, no, no, no. Wait, no. George George Clooney was absent this season. No yeah. wonder it sucked. Uh, uh, oh, that's terrible. Yep. But you do, but you did, but we were introduced to the wonder from down under Pippa McKenna, played by Sherry Kren. Uh, yeah, this was just, um, oh gosh, what could I say about this? Uh, we, we have everybody who's every, all of the originals are just sort of, yeah, but, um, there was a bit of finality at least. There was a bit of finality because uh, they, they they sort of wrote out because Mindy Cohn and Nancy McKeon were about to, wanted to leave the series. They wrote they wrote the characters of Natalie and Joe out. So yeah, that was that was pretty much you. You get rid of two of your big characters. That's Pretty much all they wrote for that, but the but the cast did re but the cast did reunite for a made for TV movie. Yeah, the third you want to call it the the third of the Facts of Life made for TV reunion movie trilogy. The first yeah, but, two being Facts of Life Go to Paris and Facts of Life. Down Under. And the Facts of Life Down Under is a future entry. Yeah. I might just put the Facts of Life go to Paris too. Why yeah. not? I'll do it. Okay. But yeah, you have Blair Warner as a lawyer now. 2D Ramsey is a morning talk show host, now preferring to be called Dorothy. And Natalie is a behind-the-scenes TV news producer at CNN with a love life and a frenetic work schedule. And Joe is a police officer who did not make the reunion. And nobody, and nobody makes mention of the fact that Natalie sounds... And nobody makes mention of the fact that Natalie sounds a lot like Velma Dinkley. That's weird. Hmm. Hmm. Nobody makes mention of it. Yeah. That's kind of like nobody mentions the fact that Shaggy Devs kind of sounds like Matthew Lillard. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, I don't know either. 
okay. Anything else? I got one more, and I'm just going to say a few words about it. Okay. okay. Roseanne before the reboot. Oh, gee. The lottery season. That's, that's all, it. You know that's the that's list. It. That's all I'm saying. That's yeah. it. That's the tweet. Well, just. Yeah. That's a nice, quickie note to end on. Yeah. The lottery season. And it turns it out was the final all episode of the season. Yeah. It was all a dream, not unlike. Oh, let's say Newhart. Except Newhart did it a heck of a lot better. Yeah. Well, thankfully yeah. they retconned this. Yeah. Well, you know, yep. Roseanne didn't eat too much sushi and get hit in the head with a golf ball. <laughs> but that's all I'm saying. The lottery season of Roseanne, that's the list. Goodbye. Good night. Yeah. Drive safely. I'm not even saying any more about that. Okay. Okay. Well, I got one more thing I want to add. What's that? Okay, going back to the episode of Family Matters where Urkel tried to hit that half-scored shot. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, you'd think he'd get some advice on how to hit the shot from Rick Majerus. There, boom! I did it! Uh... <laughs> well, what can I say except the nine shows we mentioned and the nine seasons we mentioned... They shouldn't have been. They shouldn't have been made. But alas, they were all things on TV. Yep. And if you think we're stopping here, you don't know us very well, do you? No. No. He got the Rick Majerus mention in. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh, okay. You know you, what? You knew I was gonna put it in. Okay. I, okay. Greg, next episode, I want you to work in a Raleigh Massimino reference. Oh, oh let's see geez. how you're going to do that. Done. No! I, I just looked at what the next episode is. I'm like, no. No. No, no, I, no, 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 no. Hey, what about no? Hey, what if I just no? Hey, well, well, how about the, if I no? But, but, but that's the challenge, Chico. Let's see him work a Raleigh Massimino reference into the next episode. Oh, I'm going to find a way to work it in. Trust oh, me. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go through every college basketball coach in history and challenge Greg to put them in, uh, in future episodes. Oh. So, so wait for next week when I tell Greg, work Adolph Rupp into this episode. Oh, don't do this to oh. me. <laughs> don't do we're, this. We're... Don't do this to me, Mike. <laughs> Work Lucarnaseka into this episode. <laughs> well, in the mean, in the meantime, while Greg is, in the meantime, while Greg is getting his list of uh, all-time greatest basketball coaches ever together, you can get a list of all-time greatest episodes of this show together. And it was a thing on TV.com. There you'll find more about the show, more about us, uh, a bunch of. What else? What else do we have there? Oh, yeah. How about yeah, uh, links to our good friends? Yeah, all of our socials. Uh, links to our good friends at Place to Be Nation, where we just had the latest drop. Yeah. And it was yeah, Quarter, yeah. Country, Quarter Country and Caesar's Challenge. Uh-huh. Mention that. And, of, and as always, you can follow, you can find us wherever great podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like, comment, subscribe, and of course, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to smack my bell. Yeah, yeah, and subscribe because we need all the subscribers. 
Mm-hmm. We we're like twenty one subscribers, so we're like nine. We need like nine hundred seventy nine more subscribers to make some money. And of course, don't forget five stars only. We don't do we don't do all of this stuff for four stars, uh, guys. Five stars only. Guys, we got like fifty Facebook likes, and we have like eight like star reviews. You could get off your butt and just do a star review. Come on, we keep we keep begging every week. Just give us a star because review because we are because we are thirsty for your approval. No, 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 not, no, no just, not even that. We need to get rid of the most recent review because the most recent review came from my now ex girlfriend. Get uh, rid of that. I don't want to see it anymore. But also, I do want to add, um, hey, we had one of our better days ever uh, this past Thursday with the uh, debut of the Caesars Challenge episode. It was a very good day. Uh, I just want to thank everybody because, uh, well, apparently uh, what you guys like is is good game shows. So maybe we should focus more on good game shows. Who knows? But no, well, we're, not, we're not doing a good game show next. And we're not doing a bad game show next. We're not even doing a game show next. What are we doing? There? Oh, that's what we're doing next. Oh, gosh. Hey, Greg. Oh, yeah. I, I think this episode, you might want to go to Big D. Oh, we're going to go to Big D, all right. And we're not talking Dallas. No, we're not talking about Dallas or the obscure wrestling promotion called Big D. There's actually There was actually an obscure wrestling promotion called Big D. But I don't think that's why we're going to Big D. Oh, we're definitely not going – not to that Big D, no. Oh. Oh, God, really? Yeah, it, it's it, it's one of those shows. It's going to be a weird one. But you'll just have to wait till Thursday to find out what we're talking about right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Row! Let me throw This is What's the matter, Rich? In the next episode, Steve Urkel turns Carl into a giant sandwich and accidentally eats him. Oh, wait, that's hilarious, buddy. It's hilarious. Come on, I'm an actor, Gene. This was supposed to be about me and my family. I know, but you know, after that, after that first death spot with Steve Urkel, I mean, America fell in love with him, man. We had to make him a regular, and I, you know, hey, listen, he's the star of the show now, sweetheart. We gotta play ball, Bubba. Don't you dare, Bubba, me, Gene. Now, last week, Steve used his transformation machine to turn Carl into a car yeah. and drive him around the Monaco Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Come on, how many times are we gonna use this transformation machine? This was supposed to be a blue-collar Cosby show. Now you turn it into goddamn Quantum Leap. Who writes? I, c- I couldn't tell you even if I wanted to, okay? I mean, we got like 21 writers up there, okay? You know what I'm saying, Reginald? But you and I both know that they don't decide what happens in the show, okay? We both know who decides what happens in the show. <laughs> Two weeks ago, Steve Urkel used his invisibility ray on Carl, and I wasn't even in the goddamn episode. It was just my voice. Yes, I know, I know, Reginald. I'm sorry, I apologize. It'll never happen again. Then Steve used his voice-changing ray to turn Carl into a high-pitched... Nerdy voice. Who do you think provided the voice for that? Don't get too feisty on me now, Reg. Let's not go down that path, okay? Oh, oh, we're going down that path, Gene. In a couple of weeks, Harriet, Eddie, Laura, Grandma, Aunt Rachel, Little Richie, and the other little kid are going to get teleported to another dimension. And then Steve injects Carl with his own DNA, so Carl turns into another Steve Urkel. That's two Steve Urkels and no family on a show called Family Matters. How the f*** does that work? Listen, listen, Reg, I don't want to tell you. Urkel mania is unstoppable, okay? He's a phenomenon. There's nothing we can do about it, okay? It's up to... Him. No, 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 no! I'm an actor. I'm a f- actor. I am a real actor. I did Richard III. I was in True West with Sherman Helmsley. I was in Die Hard, damn it! 
Steve Urkel! 